What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. I am the Martian, joined by my co-host, as always, Ozzy. This week, we're going to be talking about the UFC 285 pay-per-view going down this Saturday, March 4th, 2023, from Las Vegas, Nevada, headlined by the return of John Jones taking on Cyril Gaon for the vacant heavyweight championship that Francis Ngannou left behind. Also got Shevchenko versus Grasso uh, in the co-main event and a pretty fun main card and uh, prelims to go along with. it. So looking forward to breaking down all these fights. And uh, how we doing this week, my man? Great. Just got back from vacation, came back nice and tan, nice and recharged. Um, uh, you know, okay card last week. Nice pay-per-view card this week. We uh, unfortunately lost the main event last week. I think that that definitely sucked. I was looking forward to that span fight. But, you know, we got the the return of definitely a top three, top four MMA fighter of all time and John Jones Some, yeah. in the, you know, in the long awaited, you know, move up to heavyweight, the heavyweight division. Um, And I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued to see John Jones. How is he going to approach? How is he going to fight in this new weight class? Um and fight a guy who in Serial Gone who's you know pretty well rounded. We'll see how he could deal with the grappling attack, but uh Duffy let me down in his last fight, that motherfucker. But uh but yeah, let's see how it plays out this week. Second to last fight, remember he did beat up Tai Tuivasa. Oh yeah, yeah, my bad, yeah. Tai but um I was forgettable a little bit. No, no, I, I rewatched that shit, bro, and that's like that's peak MMA right there. Cool fight. They go yeah, they go yeah, into cool France, fight. they put on a banger of a fight, Ty knocks him down, add a little drama. And, uh, you know, Cyril finishes them. Oh, and like, yeah. I should have said it's forgettable. You're That's right. true. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah. Um, the French fans might have some problems with that. I'm sure we got a ton of them. Um, yeah, yeah, last week, though, um, some, some, I would say overall, not the best. You know, obviously, Dante Mays and uh, Victor Martinez Ooh. let us down big time. I don't know what, I mean, Mays, I understand. Like, he, he got leg kicked. He wanted to stop fighting. The fight was over. I don't know what happened with our boy Victor Martinez. I mean, I, I truly think that safe side, you need to sit him down and really weigh out their options going forward. Yeah, that was super strange. I mean, when that peaked at like plus one twenty or something like that, I was like, "Whoa, okay, like you know what's going on here." But yeah, I mean, I didn't watch all the fights live, but it was a peculiar one for shit. Like the performance, how it ended, right? I mean, or Jordan Levitt, but I mean, otherwise than that, though, you know, pretty solid. Aliyev, um, Joe ITD, right? He got the sub. I don't know if he got the performance of the night bonus. I hope he did. He's got expecting a kid, but I I let you know that um, you know, he's looking to make some money. Oday, Oday by decision. You call Jasmine pretty definitively. Malat. As soon as Malat got that 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 lunk, as I told you, Johan on the ground. I mean, did you see how he tapped to that arm? <laughs> he was triangle, like bro? he was gasping <laughs> for air. He was gasping. He was so relieved. <laughs> he was so relieved when he when the Malat let it go. And Malat dude wasn't even squeezing it. No, like no. barely. That was so embarrassing. They need to put, I told you, Christian Aguilera versus Johan. That that's the kind of fight to make because Johan is an absolute and I don't like to fight or bash, but that guy sucks <laughs> bad. Yeah. Really bad. Like, if that guy's in UFC, literally anyone could get there. Right. Um, yeah. One of the rare guys who comes out of CFFC, but still, still is uh, oh, a bad man. fighter. So, Tatiana by submission. That was nice. Yeah. The props, props are good, man. You know, um, you know, if you guys aren't listening to some other podcasts, I really recommend my boy Narco's show. He's giving out plus money plays. And, um, you know, sometimes, uh, I feel like recently uh, you, you're better off focusing on props, trying to find some big plus money, the round props, the method of victory props. Uh, you know, money lines are tough out there sometimes. Uh, the market, you know, sharp on some of these lines. 
but I think the props have some big, you know, disparities out there. So you always got to be searching through. Yeah. And and I will say uh, Narco and Tim and I don't know. There's sometimes a third guest, I think, right? They like mostly just sometimes, those but Narco and Tim, mostly them. But they are absolute scientists as well with just combining like the you know like three leggers, maybe a four legger here and there. Um, with some like the prop that like you know that a lot of the community or people will um you know be liking like these submission props, especially I think they had one where it's like Tatiana Malat and like Joe all by submission or inside distance or something like that. That was a great one. I think that that was probably like a 20 to one. So definitely some, and you only need to hit a few of those and they've been hitting a lot of them. So I would definitely check that podcast out right. for sure. And um, we'll be trying to, you know, shout out some props as well throughout the car, but 14 fights. Let's get into them. First fight in the lightweight division, Loic Rajabov taking on Esteban uh, Ribovic's the line for this one is um, Loic's the favorite minus 275 Ribovic's plus 235. Uh, two newcomers coming in here. Um, uh, the UFC saw Aliyev uh, with all that success in Tajikistan last week, and they said we need to get some more uh, Tajikistanese uh, fighters up in here. So they signed uh, Loic, who is a longtime PFL guy, just a grinder of a fighter, man. Always shooting takedowns, always grinding guys out against the cage. Um, you can, you know, he's hit tons and tons of takedowns in his PFL fights, and he's fought, you know, pretty mid good tier competition over there so i just see low week as being the much more proven guy against higher level fighters ribovix uh has some decent striking has you know completely slept some guys on the regional scene so i think it's possible that he wins some ufc fights with that power of his i just think that low week's grinding wrestling style is going to be too much for him and low week's going to take him down hold him against the cage and i think there's a good chance that low week is just a, a, a level or two ahead of esteban here and he might be able to wrap up that sub so the sub plus 380 on FanDuel for a guy who I expect to have a lot of grappling success. I think that's a good stab on the sub. Uh, any thoughts on this one here? I also have to go with Loic or uh, Loic uh, here against Esteban. Um, you know, Esteban's never been to a decision, which is a big red flag, especially coming against a guy in Loic who Loic who um, fought against uh, Manfio right in the in the finals of uh of the pfl tournament so you know went five rounds before um you know is a ali guy you know kind of is in that camp and, and and consistently training and like you said is a is a grinder so he's kind of well-rounded everywhere like you, you know like he doesn't go for that many submissions but he does have like some submissions on his record but pushes the wrestling um has never been knocked out either which is uh esteban's i, I would say main path to victory but i just feel loic is not going to kind of sit in the pocket too much um he's going to try to time some some uh some of the shots that esteban is throwing um esteban did move over uh i believe to a kill cliff for some portion of his camp of his of this past camp i believe um so i think maybe that could bode well you know for him there but i mean I think Hillcliff has been kind of mid, you know, uh, of late. So I think this will be an interesting fight. I just think this is a, a little bit too much to chew, uh, a, a little bit uh, too much for for uh, for Esteban at this point in his career. I do think, though, you know, maybe some one other 155 is a little less experienced, uh, maybe more of an experience level of his um, he'd be able to uh, to come out ahead of. Um, but, you know, I think a good curtain jerker for the first fight of the night um, on this pay-per-view card. But yeah, I also, I also one, one last thing. I do think I favor this fight to, to go into later rounds, just because I feel like both UFC debuts, 
you know, I, I think Esteban, if he's smart, man, like oh, a lot of his fights have been one round fights. And, you know, if he thinks he's going to be able to get Loic out of there in one round, like he, I think that's a really bad, bad strategy. So I, I think, I think he's going to approach this fight a little bit more calmly and we, we get a fight that goes into the later two, later two rounds. I agree. I think the UFC kind of knows what's uh, happening here, putting it the first fight of the card. Uh, could be uh, a little bit of a boring fight. Next fight's a good fight between two uh, up-and-coming guys. Uh, Farid Basharat taking on Daman Blackshear, uh, Bantamweight division. A big favorite for Basharat, minus 450, Blackshear plus 350. Um, a lot of people thinking this line is a bit wide this week. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the money line here. Cool fight here. You know, this is uh, the the second Bashrat brother, which is, is this one older than the, uh, I think he is the older brother, correct? Maybe, maybe not. I'll look it doesn't up. matter. Um, yeah, check that for me. Um, but I, I, I liked his performance on the contender series. You know, he definitely, I thought he was going to get the finish, you know, at some points against uh, Alon. Um, you know, but he showed he he's got a well-rounded game similar to his brother. Really chipped away at Alan, you know, on the ground. But Alan is kind of a guy who, again, you know, we you have to like recognize these fighters, the kind of archetype they are. He he's kind of like a banger brawler submission game, right? He, he's kind of going for for a lot of finishes there. Uh, but when you take him into deep waters, it, he's kind of like a, a Rafael Alves, like last week, um, just not as polished. Um. And he, but here, uh, that the guy, the last guy that Bashra fought, but here he's fighting uh, Blackshear, who Blackshear in his last fight against uh, um, what's his Zalal, uh, yes, uh, he took that fight on ten days' notice, so he did tire out, especially in that third round, which ended up being, uh, I believe, on the judges' scorecards, a ten-eight round. But um, he's consistently pretty um, dominant in. A lot of grappling situations like he gets guys grappling with him and he kind of comes out ahead he's kind of slick uh around you know he's fought he's beat a bunch of good guys like vogel's a solid guy and anderson and smith even both both are pretty solid and he finished both those guys and he only has that loss to um you know to pass sabatini and danny sabatello i'm not going to mention the loss to uh chris mutinho because <laughs> And I'm gonna act like that one did not happen, but the guy's solid, man. You know, uh, regionally he he's fought good competition. Um, I think his conditioning and cardio is gonna be better here. Um, and I I also think the line's a bit wide. You know, I I, I do think that Bashra has uh, his past victory, and you know he he is a very high floor guy for sure. Um, but I think this is gonna be a competitive fight. I I would not be surprised at all. Um, at Blackshear coming out ahead, you know, maybe finishing with a submission or something like that. Um, but I think these guys are a lot closer, clo more closely matched um, than the sign indicates just because, you know, I'm kind of comparing where I would rank where I have Blackshear overall on the roster of 135ers. And if I'm going to have um, Bashrat at minus 400, like I got to have him really, really high up there, in my opinion, especially in a fight like this. Um, so I like Blackshear as well, and I'm going to probably have a, some kind of sprinkle on him, you know, whether it be the money line or him maybe catching some kind of submission here. But, uh, I think it's going to be a really good fight, really fun, a lot of transitions, a lot of, a lot of action should go on in this one. Yeah, I'm agreeing with most of that there. I, I see Blackshear as the toughest test of, of Farid's career thus far, you know, a, a, a CFFC proven guy, uh, been scheduled for five rounds, fought, uh, I think five guys who have made their way into the UFC at some point. So, um, I just think that that experience is worth a good amount. And the fact that Basharat is, you know, over an 80% favorite, I think is wrong. 
I think that he um, likely is the better offensive wrestler and striker here than Blackshear. I definitely see him land in the more damaging strikes of the two. Blackshear's striking is, is pretty awkward, and most of his fights just turn into grappling fights, though. So if this one turns into grappling, though, I mean, I think it's very live. This one is back and forth. They're both going to be on top of one another. Uh, Blackshear uh, can be put on bottom, but he's got pretty good sweeps and submissions off his back. And I think that this could easily turn into a similar fight to uh, like Salal, where they're just uh, trading dominant positions on each other. And uh, Blackshear is, you know, very capable of stealing these rounds in this decision. I think if Blackshear will win, it will be by decision. And, you know, the uh, the odds kind of uh, reflect that as well. That is his most likely uh, path, according to the odds. Um, and, but it's plus 750, though, man. I think that's good. I think a small bet on uh, on Blackshear here is warranted. And I'm just expecting a, a closer fight than the line indicates. Probably will end up being uh, like a 29-28 for Basharat. But that doesn't mean he's going to cover this, this big price tag. So I think the line is off. And a pretty fun fight to in the early portion of this card next fights in the women's strawweight division, Jessica Penne, Tabitha Ricci. Uh, the line for this one is uh, Ricci minus 300 Penne plus 250. Um, so I'm just a little bit underwhelmed with Ricci in general. And I think that she's being overvalued here. I think the Penne is the value side and she's pretty consistently undervalued in the, uh, the market. I mean, I think she's been the dog in several, several fights in a row, definitely since she's come back. Uh, from the UFC, from her long hiatus. Remember, she was plus 250 to Loopy. She was a dog to Carolina, dog to Ducati. And, you know, she won two of those fights. She won a round off of Ducati. Um, so I just think that Penny's a, a tough to, a tough out on the, the feet and on the ground for Richie here, especially on the ground with how long and crafty Penny is. She's a real veteran. Um, you know, can't be too excited in, uh, about playing a bet on a 39-year-old woman here. But I, I think she's... I think she's the value side clearly here, man. So I think, you know, a small to medium bet on Penne is warranted at this price. Man, this line is just odd. odd. Like, I mean, if you're looking and, uh, you know, at, at Ricci's fights and her performances, like she barely beat Pollyanna Viana. And now Pollyanna, I mean, you know, if she doesn't fit, like she's 0-4 in decisions now. So she doesn't finish you with a submission most, uh, you know, don't tell you Frey that, right? But usually with a submission, you know, she can't win the fight. And she's just laying down against uh, Ricci like it's her wedding night. Like she's throwing these kicks. Ricci's kind of grabbing them, just walking forward. And, you know, half that fight was spent in like that uh, leg, like the one you're laying down and the other girls like kick it, like literally tapping her on the calves. Like it was an insane fight. So how it goes from her being like pick them there and then like uh, Penne being like, plus, like, 225 to Loopy go deep. Like, how does it come to where now she's a bigger underdog to Tabitha Ricci, where, you know, Penne, she trains at, you know, out of the San Diego. Great grappling gyms there. She she um, she um has kind of, like, a judo base there. She tra trains with Justin Flores, um, who actually trained with when he was out here in New York. And, I mean, the guy's phenomenal with kind of transitions and a lot of these, you know, uh, you know aspects of, of adapting your grappling from, for MMA. And I just feel like, I mean, Penne is just so much more proven. Even the fight against Dakota, like Dakota, she, you know, she was getting hit in, in like that first round. And the second round, she settled in a little bit, kind of like got off a few good strikes. Obviously, she's not a, you know, seasoned striker. But Tabitha Ricci's got no striking, like zero, none. She's, uh, you know, a midget as well. She's like has no reach. Like, 
what is she good at? I don't like she's she could even submit Mar Maria Oliveira, who's Spider Girl, who's a white belt on the mat. She was in Mount multiple times on this girl. Um, you know, Penay's got almost three times the amount of fights as Tabitha Ricci. Um, it's not like Tabitha has like great cardio. It's not like she's like you know really aggressive. It's not like I mean I don't know like I don't think she's very good at all. So very very odd pricing here i'm ready to eat all the crows you know if she blows through her okay cool but i mean plus 250 in a women's mma fight where there's going to be grappling it's really really odd pretty crazy to me so i think jessica penny is probably best bet value bet on the card because you know if this stays on the feet in any way shape or form like what do you like what are we repricing this as and if she's able to uh produce any kind of scrambles when they're grappling you know i think this is gonna look amazing so i'll take jessica panay to uh to give uh richie a super tough test and i i kind of like her to win this fight i think this fight should be like plus closer to like a plus maybe like 160 150 for Je like i get i'm at around the 40 percent at least um so yeah i i, I love jessica panay in this fight I mean, Penne less than two years ago beat Carolina, and I mean Carolina's looking good lately. She came off a layoff. Carolina's looking good. Loopy's looking good. Like, my whole point is like, I mean, if someone judged the Viana fight for Viana, you couldn't argue it, really. I don't think. I mean, obviously this girl was on top of her, but Viana did not have to do that much more in that fight to win it. And I know that Jessica Penne knows how to win fights better. Viana, Viana. Yeah, so, she's just laying. I mean, lay and pray. That's the way we lose. Is is Ricci getting on top and just laying there? So, I don't think Jessica's gonna let that happen. Honestly, mm, I don't think know, gonna happen. she did. Uh, she's actually officially forty-two, by the way. Uh, so I, I did not know that. Perfect. Even better. How many forty-year-old women have there been in the UFC? It can't be many. <laughs> um, oh, let's do the ROI of a forty-year-old. I don't think age really matters in the women's division. Honestly, like it's definitely like, not as much of a factor. Yes, like these girls, they're not that athletic to begin with. So, um, next fight, uh, men's bantamweight division, Mana Martinez, Cameron Simon. Uh, the line for this one, Simon minus three hundred, uh, well, minus two eighty. Actually, uh, Martinez coming back plus two forty. Any thoughts here? Um, I just don't like Mana Martinez. I mean, I just think that Mana Martinez. Yeah, you know, he's got a strong left hand. She, he's knocked out multiple guys, including the same guy, like, three times, right? Like, that KC Jones guy, he knocked that dude out a bunch of times in Texas. They really wanted him. They really they really wanted that one. I don't know. Someone got their rocks off on that fight. But, um, you know, Simon, in his last fight, it was a grinder. Like, that fight was, you know, a, like, really, really messy. It was like two dogs just kind of fighting for the last, you know, <laughs> la last piece of food. It was crazy. Um, and Simon put himself in awful positions in numerous times. Kept getting taken down. But downs aren't happening in this fight. And, you know, Steven, I mean, was it Kozlov? Whatever Kozlov, his name is. yeah. Not a bad grappler. Pretty good grappler. And Simon, while being put in bad positions, very often came out ahead on, on, of them as well. Came out on top. Was moving. Showed great cardio. Good gas tank. The guy's 22 or just turned 22, I think. Um, so I think this guy's still improving. 
putting together all his skills in, in an MMA facet. Um, and he should be ever, be able to be comfortable everywhere here. Mana has a difficult time making weight. Mana's kind of, I think, a little bit weak for this division. I think a lot of his wins are kind of a, a bit sketchy. Guys that haven't put that much pressure on him. He got triangle by Draco Rodriguez, for God's sakes. Um, and I just feel Simon's going to pressure at some point is going to be overwhelming to mana i think uh mana's not going to be able to find that ko shot and i think simon's going to walk away with with an, uh, a relatively easy win after the first like two or three minutes that's really how i feel honestly um and yeah i mean i'm not betting on it but uh but yeah i just think that simon's going to beat this guy up at some point and i kind of like i kind of like the under here because i just but maybe I should just bet Simon inside the distance if I'm gonna do that. But I like the under. Um, I bet the under in Mana's last fight, and that that was no good. Um, but you know that was kind he, of he almost knocked him out once. That was he kind of yeah, apparently there were two knockdowns. Uh, but um, yeah, that was kind of stupid just because Brandon Davis has like no finishing equity, which is uh you know much different than this fight because Simon obviously does. Um, but I, I think that uh people are kind of uh underrating Mana a little bit here. I definitely don't think the guy is any good. Uh, but I just think that um, neither is Simon, and you know Simon's minus three hundred. Uh, it's a lot of a lot of a different matchup than 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 Coslo because Coslo is a grappler. But man, Simon just made so many mistakes in that fight that the guy just looks so green to me that putting him at minus three hundred in another UFC fight seems um, kind of strange to me. And uh, you know, even in the second round of that fight, I mean, he was still struggling. Uh, he was still getting taken down and put on bottom in the third round as well. Um, so it's not like Mana's going to do that. He's not going to come out with an offensive grappling uh, game plan. But I just think that if, if Simon is struggling and looking sloppy and looking competitive against a guy who really had no business being in the UFC, uh, I think it's it can continue to happen here, even though Mana's a bit of a different stylistic matchup. This one should be taking place mostly on the feet. Um, and, you know, Simon, I think, probably looks better on the feet than he does on the ground. So uh, there's a chance that Ma that uh, that Simon can uh, cover this price tag and and win the fight, um, but I just think it's more likely that Mana has you know a big moment. I mean, I think he really only needs like one big moment to justify his price tag here. If he can hit Simon with a big punch and wobble him, I think he's going to look value for the entire fight. And uh, Mana Martinez, you know, knocked out uh, Jose Johnson with one punch, knocked out Ricky Tercios. Um, you know, battled through a little bit of a tough fight against Guido and uh, Brandon Davis. Even had a good round three, you know, rocking uh, Honey Lawrence a few times uh, after struggling early there. So I just think the knocked out. He knocked. He knocked out Casey Jones as well. Yeah, three times. Yeah. Um. So I just think the guy he has like he can put together a, a, enough of a moment here to to justify being a, a, a good bet at plus two fifty. Um. You know, I would be a little surprised to see um Simon completely covered this price without uh, any hiccups so um yeah i think mana small bet is warranted he's also uh he did leave james kraus he's not training at gloria mma anymore which has to be a benefit for your career going forward he's training with where do you uh, go where do you go bob perez go? is where he's training at now who is uh with the nate with the diaz brothers no that's um richard perez um bob perez oh, is uh oh. Derek lewis's <laughs> coach Derek lewis and somebody else oh. um yeah don't remember the can't can't remember the face. <laughs> um, next fight is uh, welterweight division. Ian Gary taking on uh, Song Kanon. The line for this one: Gary minus eight hundred, Song plus five fifty. 
Uh, so Song coming off a pretty long layoff here. Uh, amazing that this guy has four UFC wins. Just truly amazing. Um, if you if you would have asked me like before this week, um, before I refreshed my memory and like looked at his record, who are one of Song Kanong's UFC wins? I I don't think I would have remembered any of these guys. I mean, Bobby Nash, Hector Aldana, Callum Potter, Derek Krantz, some of the most forgettable guys of the past several years. Um, but I mean, the guy, I guess, isn't he's an all right offensive striker. I guess that he has some power and, you know, some technique on the feet. But I just don't see anywhere he's going to give Gary problems. Gary's much cleaner on the feet. He's a, a great athlete, getting better, long, lanky guy. And knows how to use his, uh, his reach pretty well. So to me, it seems like a matter of is Gary going to finish or is he going to win by decision? At times, he can kind of look like a jab and and, and retreat type of fighter. Uh, but I think that he's eventually going to sit down on something that hurts uh, Song at some point here. And um, I don't see Song, you know, sticking around to, to play scared and, and see the full 15 minutes. I think that he'll try to make something happen, uh, either, you know, kill or be killed. So I think it'll probably be a Gary KO, uh, probably in the second round, I would say. Yeah, I legitimately have zero interest in this fight. Um, could not like be bothered really to to look at it too much. You know, Ian Gary, he does a few good things. You know, he hides his kicks, behind his punches, you know, pretty well. Son Kanan, he he's only he's only has really hands. You know, I don't think he's gonna be able to to, to have a grappling advantage here. You know, either I do think that Ian Gary might you know slip in for for a takedown or two at some point. Just because I think Song, you know, maybe his game plan is going to be to just pressure, right? Cut off the cage, you know, come into Gary. Um, and I think that is an underrated portion of Gary's game that uh, maybe some people that haven't watched too much of his CFFC or not not CFFC, uh, Cage Warriors um, footage know about is that his grappling is actually not, not, not that bad. You know, both his wrestling and, you know, the actual uh, jujitsu aspect of it. But like I said, no interest in this fight. A lot of the props, you know. You're kind of thinking maybe the over, but, you know, Son Kanan's there to be hit, you know, and, and, and Ian Gary, he, he's he got pretty good timing and he's interested in pulling the trigger. And I think he knows that, I mean, they're kind of giving him a guy who has some UFC experience and stuff like that. And, you know, this is a, a way for him to get some street cred without fighting, uh, you know, too tough of a guy. So, you know, I think he might be put, trying to put on a show, but I don't care about this fight. No way. I'm I agree on. with that. What you just said, the, the, they picked, they specifically picked a guy with some UFC experience to, to keep giving Gary a good look. Here's a, here's a prop that has some, uh, some interest song KO round one, 32 to one. Um, if he just, Oof. he just needs to come 32. out and I mean, bro, it, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Jordan Williams was tagging Gary with punches in the first round. So if Song comes out and uses that, that you know, Chinese uh, athleticism, he might make something happen here. Wouldn't hold my breath on it, though. Um, next fight, uh, banger of a fight uh, in the, the middleweight division. Julian Marquez, Marc-Andre Barriute. Great soldier of mine, MAB, probably one of my top soldiers. MAB minus 145, Julian Marquez plus 125. And um, I forget. Yeah, you start this one off. Yeah, let's hear it. As middleweight as middleweight could get this fight, I mean, you know, I think these guys are meant to fight, you know, each other. And I also think this is meant to be Julian Marquez's last fight in the UFC. Because, I mean, good God, that last fight against RoboCop, like, I don't know what, what Julian Marquez is doing in the lead-up to that fight, but it was a bad look. 
And I think this one is going to probably end up being a bad look for him. I mean, it's probably not going to be Julian Marquez's last fight, but it could be. But I think it's going to be a bad fight for him because he looked absolutely exhausted in that Gregory. Obviously, he's getting his brain rattled. But in that Gregory Rodriguez fight, two minutes in, two and a half minutes in, guy looks totally exhausted. Like, he's just winging punches. Like, there's no thought of, like, huh, maybe, like, I just, like, move away from this guy. Maybe, you know, recompose myself. Zero, you know, MAB, he got crushed. Absolutely, like, walloped by my boy Anthony Hernandez. But that's not his fault. That's all Anthony Hernandez and not this guy's fault at all. Now, maybe do people think that could Julian Marquez, like, use some wrestling like this? Like, some grappling on MAB? kind of try to replicate um, what he did and even what Jordan Wright did. I mean, Jordan Wright was, you know, going there for the takedowns. So I think, I guess maybe some people feel that way. Um, I don't think it's happening. I don't think this guy could put together, you know, 15 good minutes, right? He's never, another guy, never won a decision. Um, he's only got finished in his last fight, but I feel like I may be very steady pressure. Um, he's going to be able to, when Marquez is kind of like just exchanging and closing his eyes and, you know, kind of throwing in the pocket, and maybe he's pretty good with keeping his hands up, you know, kind of like taking a lot of punches on the guard. Um, you know, it, he's kind of slow a little bit that, that does slow him down. And I think that's why Anthony Hernandez was able to tool him so bad just because he was able to just continually get in on his hips. But Marquez does not have that depth with the mixing in the martial arts. I don't think he trains that much, honestly. Um, and yeah, I think I'm going to be, he's going to be able, I think this could look a lot like the Abu Azaitar fight. I actually think this, this could, this could happen. Um, and I like I may be for a bet here. Even I'm the minus one forty five price, it's moved a little bit, fifteen cents. I still think it's a pretty fair fair fight. I think you know him in the sixty percent range is fair. Um, you maybe a little bit of the value getting sucked out, so maybe you want to mix in a little bit of maybe the finishing props. You know, hope that uh, he could get Julian Marquez out of there at some point. Um, but uh, I think I will be you know I I, I will be on the MAB side this week. Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat. Um, took MAB minus 130, um, 1.3 units to win one. And it's not a, he's not a fighter that you can exactly trust with uh, multiple units, I think, because he does start a little bit slow. Um, he had been, you know, previously really durable. We did see him get cracked versus cheating and knocked out early. And, um, you know, Marquez is an opportunistic finisher. I think the guy really sucks it at striking and grappling. Uh, but. The guy does, um, you know, finish fights, and he does sometimes come back from losing fights and pull off a finish. So um, he does, you know, fight probably uh, beyond his his capabilities at times. So uh, even though I think that MAB should, uh, you know, really drown this guy late, um, it's not just a spot where you can unload the clip. And I do think the MAB round two, round three props are good here. Uh, you know, I agree with the dynamic that uh, Asi said, kind of like the Abu Azaitar fight. Uh, MAB is just a slow starter. So I, I really don't think he's going to finish him in round one. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a second and third round accumulated type of finish. Um, you can get two plus 600, three plus 1,000. And then FanDuel has that KO sub or KO round two, round three at plus 460. Um, I think that he's just going to get on top and land some ground and pound, and uh, Marquez will probably look to uh, call it a night. Uh, also, another fighter without his uh, knight in shining armor, James Krause in the corner. Who knows what Julian Marquez is doing for direction and uh, real estate advice and everything? You know, everything. Who knows what was going on in those fights beforehand? Did was James Krause 
meddling with these fights. Who knows? <laughs> so I don't know, but I don't want to be on the side of any of those guys going forward. So yeah, maybe that's a little extreme. But they really have no direction right now. They have no direction. <laughs> um. So, um. Next fight, women's fight. Um. Prelims. Sticking with the prelims here, a few more prelims. Um, uh, women's flyweight division, Viviana Araujo taking on Amanda Hibas. The, uh, the odds for this one, um, Hibas minus 124, Araujo plus 104. Uh, so a couple of Brazilian women here. This is a good one. Um, kind of rare that you see two Brazilian women fight each other. Last time, I think Viviana fought a fellow uh, one. She knocked her out in her debut. Talita Bernardo came in on short notice up a few weight classes and just starts this woman Bernardo. Um, <laughs> but um, that was oh, a funny fight. I remember it was. That. Yeah. Like she literally like sent her flying that through the air bad. with a punch. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, our Usha, man, she's, she's a nasty bitch, man. She, she punches people in the <laughs> nose and she hurts them. Um, I, I think that that's a big difference in this fight. I think is that Vivi is just the harder hitter. Uh, she's the more natural 125 or Rebos moving up to 125. I think a lot of people, um, the betters, the market kind of underrate that that Rebos is moving up to 125 here. I mean, she did some good things at 115. She moved up and had a really close fight that could have gone her way against Chukagian, but I think she looked undersized in that Chukagian fight, and she looked less effective than she would have if if the woman was her same size and i think people are kind of ignoring that she doesn't have a win at this weight class yet and she's fighting another you know top top five top six um woman in the weight class it's a, it's a tough matchup for reboss and i think the ufc is kind of dumb for doing this i mean if if reboss loses this fight she's lost three of her last four and you know for a marketable girl like her i mean i think that's this is kind of reckless matchmaking so um i think either woman could end up on top of each other here it's certainly plausible that either woman could end up on top um but i think vivi has done pretty well against grapplers outside of uh, jessica i uh, you know de la rosa alexis davis uh, roxanne she was able to avoid all their takedowns hit her own takedowns on those some of those women and just uh, beat them up on the feet for the most part so i i just think that um I think either woman can end up on top here. I trust I trust Vivi uh, a little bit more overall, just everywhere here. So I think, you know, her being the underdog uh, is a little wrong. I would probably flip the line here, but I don't have enough conviction to actually make a bet on the fight. If I had to, it would be a Vivi money line bet. Don't think any of the props are good here. No, no props are looking anything interesting. So what about you? Interesting fight. What you said with the conviction is I 100% agree. And I feel that the odds on this fight occur are like kind of like somewhat correct. Like there's, it's hard for me to see these girls being that much value in this fight. But I see some people that they like, you know, uh, boss. And then I see some people coming in on the other side on, you know, um, Araujo. And usually, honestly, I like when some of these fighters come off of five round fights. Because I feel like, you know, it, one, it, it shows them, like, what the, the top level of sport, where they need to be. Um, you know, they kind of get a boost, I feel, from that, you know, past training camp. And they have some takeaways and some stuff that they could carry forward. Obviously, um, you know, she came up on the short end against uh, Grasso. Grasso was landing those hands pretty well. But this girl, that girl has, you know, probably some of the best boxing in, in the uh, division. And I just don't actually think that Hibas is going to get takedowns on... Um, viviani um very often at all if at all 
Um, and I just think there's going to be a bit of a back and forth fight. I do think that this is a fight that you could definitely live bet um, because I feel either girl could turn uh, momentum, you know, quickly, whether that be um, uh, Hibas finding her range, you know, and being able to, uh, you know, pick at Vivi, you know, on the outside and maybe, you know, be a little bit quicker, you know, being the girl that's coming up from 115. Although, you know, Vivi is very quick herself. She's in great shape. Um, but she's a little bit too selective and sometimes tentative, um, you know, maybe looking for like uh, uh, too strong of shots and punches. Like uh, I think against Grasso, if I remember right, she she used the, the calf kick a few times, but then kind of abandoned it a few times as well, where where that should be a, you know, great weapon for her there against the boxer. Um, and I just feel it's going to be a close fight. So I, I definitely will look at it on the live bet side. I am for sure a, f a big fan of Amanda Hibas. I just am not sure um, how she pulls away too much in this fight because when she does look to kind of exchange punches a bit, you saw against like um, Rodriguez, she's there to be hit. Her defense is, you know, it, 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 it it's kind of in her movement, right? Her hands are a little low sometimes. So if she is, you know, looking to really poke and, you know, land shots on Vivi, I think she's going to be there to be hit. And I just think these girls are going to go back and forth a little bit, hoping for, for a great fight. Low-key could be a fight of the night kind of fight. Um, so, so yeah, I'm just, you know, hoping that these girls put on a show. You know, hopefully, um, you know, I, I, I would hope for Hibas to take home the win. But to be honest, neither girl I see in title contention at 125. I agree. I wouldn't be surprised by either woman winning, and I don't. I don't even think I would be uh, happier with one result or the other. So, um, whoever whoever is the 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 best live betting uh, line here, I would like to win. So, um, next fight going into two of the last fights in the prelims. And as far as fights in the prelims go, these fights are absolute bangers, especially this next one. This this next fight is about as good of a fight you can watch on uh, on free TV um, in this day and age. Derek Brunson versus Drickus Duplessis in the middleweight division. Derek Brunson is the dog. DDP is the favorite uh, at minus 230 for DDP. Brunson plus 195 on the comeback. Man, what a banger of a fight. Middleweight division. Ozzy, you can start this one off. Africa's great white hope. The white gorilla. Drickus Duplessis. He's back already. I thought he would. I thought he was going to take some time off. He was going to do some this and that. You know, maybe do a little tour around Africa. Teach a seminar or two. But no. He wants to get in there. He wants the title. He wants to get up into UFC contention. And I feel this is a great fight um, for them to match him up with. Now, you know, obviously, Derek Brunson, he's been around for forever. Like, I remember when he fought, um, uh, what's his name? Yoel Romero. Amazing fight. You know, I think Mike, whatever, Mike's MMA pick, he put out a nice, you know, little little video amazing fight if you haven't watched that fight go watch that fight it was great 2014 awesome fight now since then you know he's had a very very good career you know he's only lost to some you know absolute killers like robert whitaker anderson silva you know souza uh jacare right um adesanya but you know in that last fight looked a little sketchy the cardio and you know kind of got hit with bludgeon with some bad shots in that fight you know towards the end and then he comes out in that after that fight and he says like ah like i wasn't really working out that much and like doing this and that like my prep wasn't good i didn't run it's like dude you're like 39 dog like you know you're like 30 fights in how are you not preparing as big as possible for a title almost a de facto title eliminator so i think you know with brunson he's a southpaw here 
which, you know, is always, you know, a little bit, you know, not not sketchy, but always something to consider, you know, in a fight uh, against someone like Drickus or like anyone. Um, but the chin on uh, Brunson, not the best. His wrestling, obviously, he needs to implement it in all his fights to kind of look good. And, you know, he's in a he's in a look to wrestle. What I like about Drickus, though, is, you know, when he does, you know, throw these strikes, he does look to dig his underhooks in, you know, at some at some points where I think if Brunson for Brunson to take him down, I think Brunson's going to have to get him like in the middle of the cage. He's going to have to time one of those blitzes, double leg him, which could totally happen. But if he's shooting these takedowns like against tail, like these takedowns where it's like a little bit more against the fence, he's pulling that that shit is not happening against Drickus Duplessis. So what I think is going to happen is they're probably going to be a little bit, you know, these these guys is going to go at it a little bit, maybe exchange some clinch positions, you know, a few strikes here and there. But at some point, I feel like Drickus is going to get an advantage, whether it be an angle, you know, shucking Brunson off. Something's going to happen, and then a nuke is going to come from one of the hands. I don't know which one. This might be a left. I'm going to call a left, like, shovel hook uppercut is going to hit uh, Brunson across the face, send him flying, and then Drickus is going to jump on him, and he's going to choke him out. We're going for another submission. For Drickus Duplessis, right, plus 500 is what I like here. He's a 94 guy, and like I said, we moved over. We have turned the page, and this is their time now. So I think he's going to finish Derek Brunson at some point. Um, could it look sketchy at some points? Maybe, but that's the best thing about Drickus Duplessis fights. They're just riveting. Like they, he's he's pulling guard. He's like pulling Brad Tavares on top of him. He's looking tired, and then he just starts bludgeoning these guys. Right, Trevin Giles. Tre Trevin Giles is like you know trying to grapple with him, and this guy Drickus is in total control. He just is awesome. I love this guy. I think he's awesome. I think he's gonna win the middleweight belt at some point. We got a lot of haters out there, but slowly we are converting these fellas. And after Saturday night, I'm sure it'll be a big bandwagon. Martian will be joining. He's going to tell you Brunson's going to win this fight. It's not going to happen. Drigazuplessis, inside the distance, lock it in. No, Brunson's not going to win the fight, but um, I'm on, I'm on the DDP train. I mean, after the Brad Tavares fight, if you weren't on the train, you're kind of a, a square, to be honest, um, because that fight was amazing. And... um. You know, he's uh, DC said in his last fight, DDP, like he said, he doesn't breathe out of his nose too well. He breathes out of his mouth. People really should have knew this a few fights ago because people saw him huffing and puffing outside of round one and uh, people thought he was gassed out. But that's just the way he breathes and he's able to power through that. And the guy somehow has uh, a mystical gas tank uh, after all, which we didn't really expect. He kind of looked like a little bit of a gassy boxer at some of his early fights. And then all of a sudden, he's developing this great gas tank, uh, finishing guys in the third round and whatnot. So this is going to be a, a tough matchup for him, though, in round one. You know, don't forget, Derek Brunson is still really, really dangerous. The the counter-near fight, he was viciously knocked out. We don't know if he will be able to recover from that. But let's not forget, guys, that he... he rocked and and dropped Cannoneer in round one i believe he took him down as well and you know brunson for a while was uh you know a mythical creature in round one he kind of went more timid in some of his recent fights but make no mistake this guy is still dangerous early he's a fellow southpaw who has power in his hands and i think that i think ddp is going to have a scary moment here around one where he's either taken down and laying flat on his back or he gets hurt with the punch from that southpaw stance of Brunson. I just think Brunson is going to try to make something happen and maybe make a little something happen here in round one. I think it will be a short-lived success, though. I don't think that he's going to be able to get DDP out of there. 
And that's just going to, you know, charge DDP up his, uh, you know, the animosity is going to be building. That cardio is going to be getting even better. And, you know, Brunson, you know, you saw it versus Cannoneer. He had that early success, but around two, he was, you know, dying in there. And it's just if Derek Brunson can't get on top of you and lay on top of you in like the second, third round or, or even later, like we've seen in some of his main events, um, he just looks really tired and vulnerable on the feet. I mean, even in the Darren Till fight, he took him down and won the first two rounds, and then round three started, and he almost got knocked out in on the feet in round three before getting that final takedown. So Brunson's not going to have that that ability to rest on top here versus DDP with these takedowns. So I think inevitably Brunson will slow down and will probably get finished in the second and third rounds. But I don't think DDP is a, a safe bet at minus 230 before the fight at all. I would be looking for a DDP live bet here um, after Brunson has that initial moment of success. So hopefully this turns out to be the entertaining banger. We all hope it uh, it will be. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're if you're a DDP better, I, I think that, you know, you're going to be out for a sweaty round one here. So uh, banger of a fight, though. Cannot wait for that one. That's what we like. We like who likes a no sweat bet. Like if you do, come on, you know, no, you let the DDP fights are just phenomenal. They're the best. This guy needs the belt. Get him. Get him the belt, Hunter. It, it's uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's going to be going that far, but uh, that's a good pipe dream to have, you know. He'd kill his real Adesanya dog. No, he wouldn't. Come on, bro. Yes, he would. No, he would. Fin- he'd finish Izzy in like the third round. He would walk in to the the, the quickest punches he's ever <laughs> no, seen. No, he get he'd take Izzy down every round. The real the real king of Africa would would, would win that fight. He'd take him down every Nigeria. single round. Every single round. No, nah, no. Nah. I mean, yes. come on, bro. You know that Nigeria is is a better fighting country than South Africa. You you just True. know it. He, well, it doesn't matter because DDP actually lives in Africa. He's actually South African. What is that supposed to mean? Are you trying to make? He an lives accent? in. No, I just stated a fact. He's actually he lives in Africa. Yeah, that is that is a good point. But you know, I don't know. That would be a good fight. The battle, the battle of Africa at, at one eighty five. Uh, at one point, that would that would sell tickets. That would definitely sell tickets. Anyway, um, uh, bantamweight uh title fight or not? Excuse me, not, not title fight. Bantamweight uh fight next last prelim of the card. Uh, Cody Garbrandt making his comeback versus um Trevin Jones. Will it be a comeback though? I don't know. Um, Cody Garbrandt minus one seventy five. Trevin Jones plus one fifty. So um, initially I was thinking this is probably an an easy enough matchup for for. Cody that he should win but man I'm not putting any faith in this guy in the year 2023 and if you're laying juice on Cody Garbrandt in 2023 man you're either uh you're either fucking crazy or you could be you know potentially a genius if he if he covers his price tag but I I don't know man I I think that you would have to have some massive balls to lay this juice on him and it's just such a a, a high risk low reward I mean I do not see him covering this price tag and and looking like an easy bet at minus 175. So uh, I think the only way you could be looking to bet this money line is Trevin Jones. As far as a matchup, I mean, Jones is a low-volume striker. He's kind of a counter-striker at times. He doesn't like leading. He doesn't typically um, offensive gra- uh, uh, grapple, although he has in the past. He's an all-right wrestler. Um, but, you know, Jones just doesn't do a whole lot in there. In Cody's last fight, you had Kai Car France, who's an extremely aggressive, uh, you know, puncher. He crowds you. He boxes in the pocket. Just a nightmare matchup for Cody. 
you know, this time, uh, Trevin, a lower volume outside striker, he he definitely could win this fight, Cody Garbrandt, by, you know, sticking and moving, limiting his volume, not trying to brawl in the pocket. Uh, but I think that means he will need to win by decision, Cody. I don't think he's going to knock Trevin out. We've seen Trevin take a beating from some guys and keep fighting, never been knocked out in his career. So I think that if Cody's winning, it's going to be by decision. While I think that Jones has the better chance to win by finish and decision i definitely think finish would be better for him here um and that's why i have a bet on this fight trevin jones no scorecards um it's plus 165 on DraftKings. much better line out there than on bet online and on uh and on uh fanduel yeah so it's plus 115 on bet online and it's getting bet down so i think that 165 is really good uh, I just think that Trevin has a better chance to finish the fight. So the fact that he's the underdog to win in the no scorecards market seems wrong to me. Um, just the fight going the distance in general, plus 225, that seems really wrong. I mean, I think this is going to be a kind of low volume, tepid striking fight, uh, kind of similar to, uh, you know, some of Jones's fights. Um, like Mario Bautista before the knockout, even Cody Garbrandt versus uh, a Sunsau. That was really low volume before the KO. So. I think these uh, the prop prices are kind of wonky here. So first off, let's be clear. Both Cody and Trevin got absolutely trucked in their last fights. Um, you know, Trevin was able to make it to, to a decision in his last two fights. Both of those things were crazy sketchy. You know, Bastra had him hurt to the body, if I remember right. Had him, he was just all over him. And her, uh, Barcelos literally did whatever he wanted to him there. Um, but I agree. Like, I mean, Cody is just so unreliable, you know, um, down in weight, going up in weight. I got a staff infection. I got a fucking COVID. I got, uh, my wife eternal, is divorcing me. Yeah. Eternal COVID. My wife's divorcing me. Um, you know, I'm moving. He's, he's training at alpha meal. He's training with Mark Henry. He's, this guy's all over the place. He breeds triples too. Reads Pitbulls, he's got Ali as his manager. He just does a lot of weird stuff. Like, why is Ali his manager? It makes no sense. Why, like, why was he gonna fight Julio Arce? Like, I'll tell you, hundred with one thousand percent certainty, Julio Arce was gonna end this guy's career, and it was unfortunate. And I heard how it happened, how Julio tore his ACL. It was an unfortunate thing. But that was a death sentence for Cody Garbrandt. And he has somewhat of a lifeline here against Trevin Jones. Because like you said, low-volume guy, you know, southpaw, you know, kind of doesn't know, like, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to grapple? Are we trying to knock the guy out? Are we trying to, like, kick by? What are we doing? Trevin Jones doesn't really know. Cody Garbrandt doesn't really know either because he's shooting takedowns on Rob Font in round one, you know, tiring himself out. Then he's getting beat beat to shreds. Then we're 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 telling Kai Car Franz, come bring it after he's rocked you. The guy's an idiot. And if you <laughs> bet on him, if you fucking bet on him, you're an idiot too. Stop listening to the podcast. If you bet on Cody Garbrandt, I don't care if he wins. I don't care if he wins by first round knockout, first 10 second knockout. The guy's an idiot. And if he doesn't win this fight, his his career is over. He'll be 12 and 6. He'll be 30, going on 32 years old. And, you know, this is not kind of guys that I like, that I want to bet. You know, he's pulling out of fights, you know, with Ronnie Yahya, like, or, oh, no, excuse me, Ronnie Yahya pulled out a few times. But he's waiting around for Ronnie Yahya because he's like, let me get a guy that can't hurt me, right, that can't knock me out. It's very clear. This guy's lost all confidence. Um, and I've lost all confidence in him as well. You should as well. So, um uh, you know the the sharp guy like guys that I respect they're they like Trevin Jones they like Trevin Jones potentially finishing him inside the distance like in the plus three hundred you know area um or Cody by decision that's what the sharp guys 
that I've talked to have liked. And uh, and yeah, but I will not have one dollar on this fight. Looking at um Cody's Instagram, he is training with some good guys. Uh, Dewey Cooper, uh, my boy Tim Kwamba, the 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 Bashara brothers. So he's got some good guys in there. The, bro, now he's the, in Vegas. The Bashara brothers are are taking it easy on. Imagine what, what Javid. <laughs> Javid would kill. Come on, man. Like, he would literally be minus three hundred over oh Cody. I, I truly think so. Um. So yeah. Oh, he's uh, Cody Garbrandt's like smoking weed and stuff on his Instagram too. Oh man, come on! Like, the, you, you hate to see that. There's something and, off of Cody. I'm by the way, they're they're uh, American Bulldogs, not Pitbulls, too. So sorry about that. Um, but anyway, uh, main card time. I, I honestly think this this main card is is built really really well. Outside of the the stupid fucking co-main event with valentina's bitch ass um whoa 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 don't nah, be talking about john Ger- don't be talking about john Jerome's girl like that bro <laughs> relax oh i what forgot about that yeah that bum in the main event too but anyway the, the perfect curtain jerker for the main card bo nickel taking on jamie pickett middleweight division bo nickel a little bit of a favor here you could say minus two thousand jamie pickett plus a thousand not too often you see those lines in the ufc more bellator-esque odds there um but you know, Nickel's going to make easy work of this guy. There are still some questions out there about Nickel. They will not be answered in this fight. They will not be. Uh, we're going to have to wait to a later date to see that. And, um, you know, Jamie Pickett is just, uh, you know, a, a run-in-the-mill bum. You know, he's... Uh... He looks scary. Yeah, yeah. If this fight would have been in February, his chances might have been a little bit higher. But in March, they're effectively, you know, none. Uh, especially, you know, Nichols definitely has to have some some Irish in him as well. Um, so, you know, this is their month. Um, so I think the bow, um, it's just a matter of, of KO or sub. I think it'll probably be sub. And I think it's round one. And I think uh, round one minus 200 is honestly value. Um, you can you can get it minus two ten on FanDuel, minus two hundred on DraftKings. If the line is still even there when this podcast drops, um, it's a square line, but it's gonna win. I think Bo really is gonna wrap this guy up and finish him early. If my boy uh, Jordan Wright could blitz and finish Pickett, I think that Bo can. If uh, Kyle Dawkins could t- take down and submit Pickett, I think that Bo could do so as well. And man, Bo Bo just comes out like a bat out of hell, and Pickett is either gonna be hurt or on his back within 15 seconds and i think Bo is going to have all the time in, in the world to, to to wrap something up and Pickett just seems like he's the type of guy to tap to like a face crank too so i think Bo's gonna you know really could choke this guy in the first round probably the first two minutes this is awesome i mean i love Bo nickel obviously you know and i've been watching a lot of wrestling like i've been watching a lot of college wrestling right the, the nca champ the big tens championship or this week um Bo Nickel used to dominate that. The NCAAs are, you know, maybe a week or two after that. And I'm trying to see, like, hmm, which one of these guys would be good for, like, MMA and this and that, jiu-jitsu. So, you know, there's a lot of crossover right now going on and led by the Penn State guys. Um, You know, you got Bo Nickel. You got uh, Jason Knopf training with the B team and Craig Jones and a lot of these guys. Um, Gino Morelli. A lot of these guys, I think, are going to invade very soon you know i think roman bravo young um and you know the the base is there bo nickel i hear you know is is just a sponge 
you know, there's a cliche, but he's just always in the training room. He's like, he just has that work ethic to be looking to continue to get well-rounded, continue to learn the submission game. Like the guy took a grappling match with Gordon Ryan, dude, like three years, like four years ago. I mean, it was kind of competitive, you know, Gordon, you know, ended up tapping him on a, you know, triangle and stuff like that. But the guy's been honing his skills for multiple years now. And I think he's going to have an Alex Pereira-esque ascent where, I think within six or seven UFC fights, he's going to be in a title eliminate. You know, he's going to be in the top five of the division. In my opinion, you know, could he stumble here and there? Sure. But eventually, I think we will see Bo Nickel at the top of the UFC rankings, you know, and uh, and dominating. And I think it starts here against Jamie Pickett. You know, Jamie Pickett, he's just a little bit of a timid guy. You know, you saw against Tululin. Tululin started busting him bad, busting them up bad. With uh, with strikes and kind of Jamie was just starting to cower, you know, the second time that he's been finished with, you know, under 10 seconds left in the round. Like the guy said, you know, he gets darts by, you know, Kyle Dawkins. He says he, he only tapped because he bit his tongue off like guy's an idiot. So, I mean, it just I mean, <laughs> I don't like the fighter match. But it's just like a funny idiots. Eight idiots. 2023. That's the motion. Like, it's like, dude, you don't need to tell anybody that. Like, what do you gain from telling someone that? Because the only reason you tapped is because the guy you're, you're biting your tongue. Like, why are you biting your tongue, dude? Like, who cares? Nobody cares. Don't tell anybody that. Um, but yeah, let's move on. You know, hopefully, Bonico finishes it quick, gets us started, gets us on to these top four banger fights. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll let you intro the next one. Yeah, and if you're just thinking from like a, a script building point of view, like there's like. The fight is going to finish in round one. It's going to be Joe Rogan's going to say, oh, that was easier. You know, it, it's it's going to happen. Um, next fight, uh, lightweight division, Mateusz Gamera, Jalen Turner. Banger of a fight in the lightweight division. Short notice for Gamera, but he's still the favorite. Minus 200, Turner plus 170. Two-way action coming in on this fight. Gamrot initially got bet down, was, you know, going to minus 220 there for a while. And now we're seeing some action come back on on Turner here. So, I'm interested to hear your side in this one and uh, who your winner is in this uh, really good fight, man. Love this fight. Now, apparently Dan Hooker was supposed to fight, supposed to be in this fight, right? Yeah, dude. Was but, but, but it got to the point where we never got odds for it, where I thought that, that would have been an interesting one. I would have actually been very, very intrigued. And I think I would have bet on Dan Hooker there just because he has that experience with like the taller, lankier guys, right? Training Turner, Turner would have been like minus 170, I bet. Yeah, I think I would have backed Hooker in that fight, honestly. But I think, you know, not with, you know, a ton of conviction, but I just like that, you know, he's prepared for it. But anyway, on to this fight. Um, you know, I, I was kind of like thinking, all right, like, wh what are the faults that Turner can maybe exploit here that maybe we saw against, you know, Benio, where, you know, he kind of, you know, he couldn't get the grappling going and Benio was just chipping away, right? He was landing in some uh, stepping knees right in there. You know, he was landing that left hand a lot, you know, and all. But look in the back of that fight, like, I think, you know, I mean, Camera is an absolute animal. And, you know, Benio, and we bet Benio, we were big on Benio in that fight. Very, very supportive. And that thing got, like, plus, like, 240. It was insane how, how much uh, they were paying you. They were, like, begging you to take Benio in that fight. But Benio did so amazing defending some of these takedowns and some of the scrambles that he was comfortable getting in, leg entanglements, you know, um, scraping. Probably you know, hi highlight of the year, probably. Amazing. Probably top was, five moments. It was great, you know, peeling, peeling Gamera off his hips, you know, digging underhooks, squaring back up. It was a master class. Like the people were talking about the um, Islam, like a Volkanovski performance against Islam. Dude, Neil's performance against Gamera, I think one of the better, you know, anti-wrestling performances you will ever, ever. see. 
ever see in an MMA fight, literally ever. Um, because this guy Gamera is a like when he gets one of those legs, he's like even that last takedown he lands where he kind of like scoops. It's almost like a fireman's carry. He finishes. It was just great. But now getting into this one, you know, I love Gamera in this spot and in, in this fight because you know he um subtly is a bit hard to hit, especially early on. He's either all the way in or all the way out. Like he he kind of like backs up. And he stays in kind of like that kick range, you know, quite often where it's kind of uh, what he's actually doing. It's, it's purposeful because he is encouraging you to throw kicks at him because he likes catching the kicks, whether they be low kicks that he reaches down for, whether it be body kicks, even a head kick the guy will catch. Um, and, you know, while, yeah, Turner is dangerous, um, you know, Gamera's just so well schooled in it that I'm not going to say like, oh, man, you better watch out because of Jalen Turner, this Whatever, I don't care. Um, and uh, some of these things with Jalen Turner, he's just so hyper aggressive against Jamie Malarkey, against freaking Uros Medic, against Brock Weaver, you know, where he's not really kind of like, you know, uh, factoring in sometimes like some of the takedown threat that is there. Um, and it's going to be consistent against Gamrot. Gamrot, like I said, hard to hit consistently moving consistently cutting angles you know shifting stances attacking when he gets in on these legs he's doing some really really creative stuff where he's kind of like switching you know kind of like chasing the back sometimes he's kind of doing like like subtle kind of like leg drags that are getting him to to like a secondary side where you really need to be digging underhooks on one side and then the guy's switching and you got to have to, you know, dig on the other side. Like, you know, Turner's going to probably go for a guillotine and stuff like that. And I just think it's going to go bad for him. He's going to get put on his back. And once he is on his back, I just don't see the reactions to get up that he's going to need here. And I actually think I'm leaning towards Gamrot getting some kind of finish at some point with, with wearing out Turner with the relentless grappling pace. You know, there's a second week in a row that we're talking about the, the pace, the dance dance revolution of the grappling where every time you're going two times for every time the, that guy's going once. You're going three times for every time the guy's going once. And it just adds up. It overwhelms you. It, over, it, it like overheats your brain. And you end up making mistakes, and you kind of start getting drowned. Um, and I think that's going to happen. What happened to CDF? His, his, his fucking rib imploded. Exactly right. But you saw there that like camera just would not stop in some of these transitions, and he's just beating you to the corner. He's beating you to the angle. Um, and I just think Jalen Turner, he's dangerous. Hit the whip on this guy on the shots that he put that he put out like on Malarkey were just tremendous, like super scary. Like you can't be getting hit with those. But Malarkey's got zero deep. Like he was getting clobbered by Michael Johnson, right? Let's not forget that. Gamrot's not that, right? It took Benil multiple rounds, you know, to get off on him. It took you know uh, multiple rounds for Armin to even kind of like. I mean, Armin Armin was having some success early, but. Point is, I just think that Gamrot just too good right now for Jalen Turner. I think Jalen Turner is still 26, 27 years old, a lot of time to improve. But I think the grappling here is still a big hole for him. I think his striking, if he's coming forward on Gamrot, it's just going to give Gamrot too many opportunities to dip below, get to his legs, get to his back, eventually pick up a finish, wear him out. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking along the same lines. I won't, I won't spend too much time reiterating the same points. Um, one I will, though, is just to gush about Benny Daryush a little bit more. That performance might have just been like one of the best in MMA ever because he showed he was elite at defending takedowns, striking, cardio, figuring the fight out as it goes. And 
it's important because um, Gamera didn't look so good in that fight, but you really have to appreciate how good Benil Daryush is. And just like Gamera's most recent opponents, I mean, he's fought three and three guys in a row, uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira, Armand Sarukian, and... Benil Daryush, who are some of the best defensive grapplers in all of the UFC, not just the lightweight division, but the all of the UFC. And Gamera, you know, uh, was able to win two out of three of those fights, put up respectable performances in all of them. And I just think that people are getting a little confused because he's fought such good grapplers in a row. What he was able to do to those guys is, is really impressive, um, knowing how good of grapplers they are. Now, Jalen Turner in that Frivola fight, I just seen a lot of mistakes that, um, you know, it's possible that he is able to fix all those holes and to completely level up his defensive grappling. But I just saw too much, uh, too many weaknesses in that fight for him to overcome all of them in this fight. Uh, because, Turner's recent strength of schedule has been pretty bad. I mean, he's on a nasty win streak of finishes. Only two real good wins in Malarkey and Riddell, and both of those guys are a tier or two below uh, Gamera, probably two tiers below Gamera, if we're being honest. So I just think this matchup... Um, for Turner is too much. Uh, the guy is, you know, getting better as a striker athletically. Uh, he's really leveling up, but I just think that we haven't seen him prove that his defensive grappling is leveling up at the same rate as some of the other areas of his game. And that's truly where the fight comes down to his defensive grappling. Can Turner get Gamrot off of him? And Gamrot doesn't have to hit nonstop takedowns and be on top of the whole fight. He is just not going to, he's not going to let Turner off the hook. I think his hands are constantly going to be clasped. He's going to be riding the back. Even if Turner gets back up to his feet, there's a good chance he gets dragged back down over and over again. And we all know that Gamrot's cardio is uh, always in good shape. So even though it's short notice, I don't think it's too much to be worried about. I think he will um, take him down and grind him out enough. I'm not so confident about the finish as Ozzie is. I think this one actually will see the decision. Um, but I have a bet on this fight for Gamrot to win by either sub or decision that's at plus money at um at dk so his his money line is 67 percent. his uh sub decision is 50 percent. that puts ko at 17 percent. i think that's too high for ko for gamrot i i would be i would be pretty surprised to see a ko for gamrot um here i think it's it's sub or decision for him um so i i like that line and i honestly do think that turner will somehow uh stretch it to a decision here so um, that'll be my pick, uh, Gamrot one, decision. Yeah. Go ahead. One last thing, too. Uh, I, rec I recalled um, Turner was complaining that um, after his last fight, he had tore his tricep. And he said it was giving him a lot, you know, a hard time, even into late last year with the recovery and all these kinds of things, where he was, like, super frustrated by it. Like, he said, like, his arm was not working properly. Um, so I don't like that overall. Just wanted to mention that as well. Yeah. That's definitely not something good. An interview that he did at the end of November. He's like, hey, like, I really want to be back, but, you know, my arms are not working correctly. He's like, I'm just sitting on my ass and playing Call of Duty. So. Hmm. All right. Well, that'll what move us along to the welterweight next. Uh, Jeff Neal taking on Shavkat Rachmanov. Uh, Shavkat making his pay-per-view debut. Big favorite for Shavkat. Minus 500. Jeff Neal plus 375. Um. My thoughts on the money line are kind of simple. Jeff Neal is a great fighter, and you're getting a great fighter at four to one odds, which is which is really rare. Um, and Shavkat is very promising. I think that he has potential to be a lot better than Jeff Neal. But as of right now, I don't think he's more proven than Jeff Neal. I think that there's still um, 
a good amount of questions out there about Shavkat that we haven't gotten to see answered because his UFC strength of schedule hasn't been too good. Um, I mean, this is by far and away the toughest test of his career. And, uh, you know, he's a bigger favorite than he was against a lot of these other guys. I mean, man, four fights in the UFC and his toughest fight is Neil Magny. I mean, I, I think that they're giving Shavkat a real slow build. And this is just a, a gigantic step up. I mean, he's a bigger favorite than he was against Neil Magny, which is just insane to me because Neil Magny is much more susceptible uh, to Shafkot's game than, than Neil is. Um, Neil, we haven't seen him face many grapplers, but uh, it's a bit of a question how he's going to look off of his back. But I just think he, he's such a good fighter that he's going to be able to uh, to survive that onslaught from Shafkot make it later into the fight. He probably will succumb to a grappling attack and lose the fight uh, either by late sub or by decision. But I'm pretty sure he's making it out of round one here. So I bet the fight to start round two, it's minus 174, um, which it puts like a round one finish at uh, almost 30%, which I, th I just think is too high. Um, uh, it's, it's actually over 30%. It's like 33%, I think, for a round one finish. I think that's way too high. Um, so... I think Neil will make it to at least the second round, hopefully the third. I'm betting starts around two, starts around three, and goes the decision here. Um, so I hope best outcome would be, uh, you know, a decision for either guy. Hopefully Jeff Neal can pull it off, but I just don't have enough faith in his defensive grappling to actually make the pick. Um, and I don't know if I'll even actually make a Jeff Neal money line bet here, despite it definitely seeming like value. I'm interested to see your thoughts, uh, Ozzy. You you gonna bet Jeff Neal here? I love this fight. Of Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal has a prodigious left hand. I remember I had a buddy who doesn't watch MMA. I had him over for Jeff Neal versus Nico Price. And he saw Jeff Neal throwing his left hand. And he's like, yo, who the hell is this guy? Is he fighting for the belt? Like, how highly ranked is he? And I told him it was like Jeff Neal unranked and stuff like that. He's like, no, no, no. no. This guy right here will be in the top five, you know, soon. And he was right. My guy my guy had a good eye for, for MMA. For good eye for fights. But, man. I, other than Conor McGregor, like, I haven't really seen too many guys throw that left hand like Jeff Neal. And you know who I don't like and rely on too much is Henry Hooft, like, drilling and teaching it, like, you know, for these guys, like, in the pocket. So if, if Shafkat is going to be exchanging with him, I think it's not good for him. But what I do feel is Shafkat has some tremendous kicks. Like, the kick that he put on Carl Harris was, oof, you don't see those kicks you know, way too often in MMA. Like that spinning kick, put that right on the guy's, like the back of his jaw near his ear. His high kicks are awesome. His takedowns are awesome. He goes for that. He's got a great guillotine. But Jeff Neal is not a slouch on the ground. He's not bad on the ground. Um, You know, I've seen him a few times. Like, you know, you've only seen small glimpses of it. But from what I could tell, a lot of his instincts and stuff like that, not bad. It's just... Is if he is getting tired and you got a huge Shavkat Rachmanov on top of you for you know multiple minutes, could a mistake happen? Yes, definitely. But I don't think it this is a case of you know he's getting taken down, he's getting into stubbed, he's getting arm triangled or like uh darts choked, or there's not gonna be a Johan Lioness. This is two different classes of fighters. Um, so I kind of like uh Jeff Neal here, you know, uh, I'm you kind of want to get above that plus 400 number. Um, but I think that Shavkat, you know, with, with the approach, like Jeff New also is incredibly durable, has shown great cardio, has shown that he could carry the power into the third round, right? We, he knocked out, that was the third round against Luke, knocked his ass yeah. out in the third round, 
won the third round against um, Santiago. Um, uh, you know, went five rounds against Stephen Thompson. And I think that people see that Shavkat submitted Neil Magny. Neil Magny beat Jeff Neal in the past. So th- thus, th- we like, there's no, Jeff Neal has no chance. This is what ca- the casuals see. They really look at this stuff. And they say, like, well, if this guy dominated this guy, and this guy kind of beat this other guy clearly, like, what's the, what's going on here? So, I mean, I'm taking Jeff Neal here. Um, very, very small. You know, or, or not too large, just because if Jeff Neal is, comp- I don't think Jeff Neal is knocking him out in the first round. Um, so I think I could be able to add live if I do like how the fight is is looking. Um, but I just can't pass up a guy like Jeff Neal at this price. This is, I feel like this has a big potential to be like the Gilbert Burns Shamaya fight. Um, and I think Jeff Neal like on the feet. If if these guys start brawling, if Shavkat gets extended, how, when does Shav have Shavkat? Well, let me look at one one thing real quick. If this fight gets extended, you do not want to be in the way of that Jeff Neal left hand later on in the fight. He's and he's never been a decision. decision. Exactly, is my point. Never been a decision. So let's see. And, can, I, and I think the range on, on like how good Shavkat is 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 still huge. Like he he right. might be he might be um you know top three top five like the, you know the odds are making him out to be. Or he might just be, you know, actually like maybe fringe top fifteen and just had a really good run up until up until this point so far. And and let's recognize Jeff Neal is a completely different level athlete than these four guys that uh Shavkat has beat in his and he's low key been beating up on some brothers. I don't know if the brothers <laughs> would 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 I you would Cowboy Oliveira is a brother, right? He's a yes, brother. Undoubtedly. Sure. And Prezeras, he's a brother. He's yeah, more borderline. He's a, he's a little bit. Well, he yeah, he, a little bit less. He was a cop, I think, right? So uh, no, I mean like <laughs> okay. Alex Oliveira's behavior definitely. <laughs> oh whoa, whoa, whoa! Why you gotta go there? Jesus Christ! I'm trying to listen. Jeff Neal on the heels of BHM. I, let, let's get it done. I'm listen. Jeff Neal is a tremendous fighter. Like tremendous. Like he could fight for the belt. What? Like he could definitely yeah. fight for the belt. So let's see. Let's see. I I think this is gonna be an awesome fight. Yeah, and like, ah, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I hate to keep just keep talking about it, but like, Shavkat is coming off of like one of the easiest matchups ever in Neil Magny. I mean, every, anybody, anybody who watched Neil Magny fight Kiesa knew that Shavkat was gonna dog him on top. That fight was yeah. a predetermined outcome, and it th- this fight has just so much more uncertainty to it. Uh, Jeff Neil is a tougher test on the feet. He's never really been out grappled in his MMA career. Um, you know, stuffed seven of Bilal's takedowns, which he which murdered Bilal. He yeah. murdered Bilal. He really okay. hasn't faced that many. T- I mean, he got taken down by Neil Magny a few times, but he didn't get controlled for long at all. He popped right back up to his feet. Oh, he's not bad on the ground. Yeah, and he's so, got uh, Saif Saud in the the the, the general. That point. is good. Yeah, that is good. I'll take Saif uh, although, over Henry Hooft any day of the week. Although they did, although bro, the, Victor Martinez had Saif Saud in his corner too, and you know how that went um anyway next fight uh co-main event women's championship fight shevchenko versus grasso flyweight division shevchenko huge favorite minus 900 grasso plus 600 uh yeah i mean i guess valentina's gonna win probably gonna hit a takedown or two uh i don't know if she'll finish her or not i'll go with no i'll go with valentina 49-46 in another forgettable fight. Also, don't forget, Valentina lost her last fight, rounds one, two, and three to Santos. And um, yeah, that's my analysis for this one. Anything from you? 
Yeah, you know, I'm curious how Grosso will deal with the uh, the left body kick of, uh, of Valentina. I think this is super dangerous, super dangerous weapon. Um, she is a 93 girl. She is our queen. She is going for the belt here. Um, and I'm fully in support. I'm, yeah, Mexican wave. Like, I am fully in support. I'm all Grosso ahead. Um, but this is going to be tough for her because sometimes, like, you saw in the Viviani Arujo fight, she could have landed more punches. Like, she could have done more. But she was just, I don't know. She was just kind of not pushing the gap. Like, this is like a fight too early for her, I think. Um, Valentina, her hands aren't great. Um, I don't think she gives the opportunity for Alexa Grasso to really land, you know, the haymakers that uh, that I think she would need to uh, pull ahead in these fights. And like I said, I think these those but these body kicks and head kicks are gonna really really uh, mess up with the boxing range and you know what Alexa wants to do overall in the fight. So I'm not too high on her uh, winning this one. I think on the ground as well. You know, I think the maturity and the strength of uh valentina could be an issue um you know but you know when we hit that 93 year you just never know and hopefully we could catch um valentina on the downswing she'll be 35 in like two days or three days after the fight um so hopefully you know i don't know hopefully she's thinking about john jones in there and you know his his comeback and all this stuff and you know, and, 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 you know, maybe having a warm meal for him ready or something like that. And, you know, it distracts her from the task at hand, which is Alexa Grasso. But, and, you know, that picture of Valentina kicking on ta the topology picture of her head kicking Jessica, I, they don't need to do that. That's, that's fucked up. <laughs> that's fucked up, dude. They don't need to do that. Poor Jess. But, but I think that same leg will be a huge issue for Alexa Grasso. So we'll see if she can make it to a decision or, Make the champ uncomfortable with the hands. Let's see it. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say two two props here. Um, so you can do for Valentina. Uh, when there, whenever there's a big favor like this going on DraftKings and making a same game parlay, it's a really good way to shave down the price. Um, so Valentina to win. Valentina fight to go over one and a half, and Valentina to win one, to land one takedown throughout the entire fight. You can get that at minus one twenty five. Um, so I think that's a good way to play here. Also. Valentina sub two three four at plus six hundred on FanDuel. Um, I just think that that uh, the positional dominance is probably going to be pretty significant for Valentina here, and you know the way Grasso uh, got submitted so quickly versus uh, Suarez, not a good look, I think, and it's kind of relevant for this fight. So um, look out for that main event time, uh, heavyweight division for the vacant belt. Francis Ngannou left the UFC. Uh, Dana White's the greatest promoter in the history of the universe was not able to work out a deal with uh, the heavyweight champion. So that's always good when that happens. John Jones coming off a three-year layoff, moving up to heavyweight for the first time ever, taking on Cyril Gaon. The odds for this one, John Jones minus 170, Cyril Gaon plus 145. I'm sure everybody out there has a pretty passionate take on this one. Um, I'm interested to see your thoughts on this one. Your, your turn to start it off. Wow, he's really listen. We still need a man. The John Jones is the only fighter ever to get a card completely moved out of the state, like on, on like a whims. Like how how much notice? It was like it was like eight days. Wasn't was it? it that, no, I thought it was less, but man, I thought it was like three days. But I could be misremembering. Maybe 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 it wasn't. But that was I think crazy. It was like five to eight, five to eight somewhere right. in that range. Well, we're I, th I feel like we're still in the. Uh, 
still in the realm in in the area where this this fight could not happen. But anyway, finally happening. You know, John Jones he's looked shitty in his last three fights, four fights. Now the the Gustafson fight was okay, but the the three fights after that total crap fight. I, I'll be honest with you, up until this fight, I hadn't watched the Anthony Smith or the Tiago Santos fights in full. Because I was like, what, are, what? why am I watching these? Like, you know, the whole Shabbat debacle with the Anthony Smith and, the, you know, the EQ and all this stuff. But whatever. Let's get into this fight. Now, the most curious thing that I'm, the thing that I'm the most curious about is what style of takedowns does John Jones go for? Do we see a freestyle kind of, you know, let's we're shooting in on the legs and things like that? I don't know how good that'll work on Serial Gan, just because of how nimble Serial Gan is, the range that he keeps, the fact that he likes throwing these front kicks, the um, he he likes launching in some uppercuts, some stepping knees, all these kinds of things. And John Jones has never really been too much of a leg attack kind of guy. I know he did double leg DC, if I remember right, like somewhere kind of like against the fence. So basically uh, that's what i'm getting at i feel that the takedowns here if they come they're going to be clinch takedowns or they're going to be like cl very close uh close to the fence takedowns um but the fact that serial Ghana is just so um fleet of foot he's able to uh angle to both directions because he's comfortable you know fighting southpaw or orthodox he can kick with either leg as well um his jab is, is is quite solid um if you saw that uh Taito Ivasa fight the way that he angles off uh to land the like the fight finishing or the 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 right hand that set up the the finish was awesome um so i think he brings a lot of weapons here against Sean Jones that um he's literally never seen before like he's not seen it with Maurice Green i'll tell you that much maybe Maybe who with my boy Slow Mike Rodriguez, uh, Dominic, the Dominican Republic's very own, but I doubt it even there. Um, so you know, John Jones, Jorgen, where's Jorgen from Cuba? Cuba, yeah. Um, uh, Jorgen's just there for the vibes, bro. He's just there for the <laughs> vibes, and the you know, the, you don't want Jorgen leg kicking John Jones, dude. Like, that's... he's from Cape, Cape Verde, actually. Well, pretty, I don't think that's Cuban. too relevant to the, yeah, but he's Cuban, I think. Whatever, doesn't matter. So I think it's gonna Anybody be fascinating. Anybody named Castro was Cuban, basically. This is gonna be a fascinating <laughs> fight. I love Gone by decision at plus three forty for all the John Jones' faults. He's a tough bastard, but I also think he's like he. Um, I know he's also a tactician. So even if he's losing early, like he's not gonna just like he's not going Julian Marquez out there. You know what I mean? Like oh, just start swinging and this. No, John Jones is gonna like take his time, gonna make his reads, look at tire the guy out, maybe you know get him in the clinch, you know wear him out, the, you know all these kinds of things. He's not like gonna rush too much into the fight. I think, right? Especially given it, his debut at heavyweight, um, I think that's gonna be his approach. Now, I just think gone here is value at, at at the line that we have him here at. People are skeptical about the grappling and all these kinds of things. And John Jones is the goat, so um, one of the goats, I should say. Um, so, you know, if he wins this fight, like, yeah, I mean, you'd be like, man, you know, stupid bet. You know, the second time in or second time in a row the where I did bet on uh, Gon, he burns me. But I just think he's gonna get this fight done. He's gonna pr present the uh, the problems to John Jones. And I'm not too sure and confident that John Jones at 35, almost 36 years old, three years out, you know, training with Maurice Green is going to necessarily have the answers to it. So I like gone. I like gone by decision. I think this fight is going to go late. I don't think that John Jones is going to submit him. Um, and, and yeah, I think, the, I think it's going to be a good fight though, honestly. 
Yeah, I'm in I'm in agreement. Um which historically might not be the best for us, you know, when we tend to agree on main events, um not quite the recipe for success. Looking at um at you know your main event and your heavyweight ROIs on Bet MMA, they're bad, but they're not as bad as mine. Mine are actually way worse. Uh on on heavyweights on main events, both are are big negative minus 20 percent on on both of them basically so um you know take this pick with a grain of salt but i got i got gain here as well um you know i'm a notorious john jones hater doubter damn bro mine's minus 27 percent on heavyweight fights that's crazy um don't tell me is not do me too good no he hasn't been helping that you should have been betting on waldo you fucking betting on like chase sherman and shit like that too but I uh, no, I never tried to bet on that guy. Oh, but okay. but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that is one thing though is whenever I bet he- heavyweight MMA, they're typically like shitty bum, you know. Jake Collier. Jake Collier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, no, he's he's a great fighter. Anyway, um, but um, for for once, I'm actually betting on a good fighter in, in Cyril Gunn. Um, you know, Ozzy hit home on a lot of good points. Um, the layoff for John Jones has to be significant. I mean, I would ask someone this. So if you watch John Jones' most recent four fights, Gustafson, Smith, Santos, and uh, Reyes, if you watch just those four fights and, and, and forgot about John Jones before that, how would you cap this fight against Cyril Gunn? I mean, I don't understand how you would think that he is the favorite in this fight because he looks like a shell of himself. He he does not look nearly as good as he did in his early career. So it's safe to say that back in 2019, 2020, John Jones was already past his prime, already maybe, you know, three-fourths of the fighter he, he was at his best. Now you add on a three-year layoff, you add going up a weight class, you add dealing with bigger fighters um he's dealing with a better athletic fighter as well Cyril gone much better athlete than all four of the of the past guys i mentioned you know reyes is probably the only one that's in close contention and you know he struggled with reyes a lot he struggled on the feet with reyes he struggled taking reyes down and it was only because of of uh cardio that he was really able to take over that fight and win the later rounds um and that could happen here, but I just think that John Jones is going to be extremely uncomfortable on the feet in this fight. I think that John Jones is going to be slow and plodding, and I don't think he provides much of a striking threat at all to Cyril Gaon on the feet. So if the fight's on the feet, I have a, a, a pretty good feeling that Cyril Gaon is going to be the one winning the minutes, controlling the, the range. Um, and it's really only in the clinch and the grappling where the fight starts to get close. I think in the clinch... Um, it it is going to be worrisome. You do see uh, uh, Cyril Gaon making some mistakes with his positioning in the clinch, coming from his Muay Thai background, not really uh, adequately uh, equipped to deal with the the takedowns and mixing the wrestling into the clinch. Um, but he's got to be steadily getting better. That's got to be one of his areas where he's uh, focusing his training. And obviously, the the, the Ngano fight, people are going to point at that and say he got taken down by Ngano. He got put on bottom, stuck on bottom there. That is all true. But, um, you know, he also won the first two rounds versus Ngano. Ngano hit that takedown off a caught kick. Um, and it still could have been a 2-2 fight going into the fifth round. Cyril Gran hits the takedown in round five, is on top of, of Ngano. And if he just stays in top 
half guard, he wins the fight. He's the the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. He wins 48-47. Instead, he dives on a leg lock, loses the position, loses the fight. But even in a fight where he he got made a lot of mistakes, he got taken down, he got put on bottom, he was still an inch away from winning the fight if it weren't for some idiotic move going for a leg lock. So I really don't think that that example of, oh, he got taken down by Nganu is too relevant because Nganu uh, is a much more proven heavyweight. He's still a great athlete. He was able to battle through a lot of adversity to get those takedowns in that fight, which I'm not sure John Jones is going to be able to do. If, if this fight is not going well for John Jones early on, those takedowns are not going to become any easier to get. So I think that if he doesn't take gone down in the first round, I think he, he might be drawing a little bit dead here. I, I really don't see, um, you know, Jones building into the fight that well. I think that he, he's, he needs to start fast and, Considering that he's coming off a three-year layoff, considering he didn't start fast in his past four fights, I don't like his chances at all in this fight. I think that it is Cyril Gan's fight. I think that I would personally catch Cyril Gan as the favorite in this fight. And and there's just so many uh, there's so many red flags with John Jones. And I think the only reason he's the favorite in this fight is because people are thinking are remembering, oh, he was a killer in 2011, 2013, 2015. He was the best fighter in the sport. Well. I think he's at least five years past his prime. Uh, you know, the, the the DC two fight was the last time he looked like a truly elite fighter. And I think that it's, it's Cyril Gans time. man. I think that um, Jones is, I, I honestly give credit for uh, to Jones for coming back. I didn't think he would actually ever make this walk at heavyweight, but here he is. He's going right into the lion's den against Cyril Gan. Probably one of the 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 worst matchups he could take. I mean, Ingano I think is the worst matchup of the two, but uh, Cyril Gan is still a really tough matchup. So I give Jones some credit for coming back and taking the fight, but I still think it's a bad matchup for him. I still think he loses the fight via decision, and we cash those Cyril Gan tickets at plus money. Um, but you know, I gave you guys a warning before the before the fight started. The, the statistics do not point to me being the one to listen to about heavyweight main events. So um, take it with a grain of salt. Any closing thoughts here, Ozzy? No, just how many fights was on this card? 13? 14. 14. So it's a fat card. Hopefully it kind of start this thing, you know, freaking early. Um, But the, uh, March is, is great. It's just a great month. It's great MMA, right? We, we were talking about the Bellator card that's coming up. Um, It's just going to be great. The, the next six weeks are going to be phenomenal. Between and then we got the Newark uh, UFC card as well. Just phenomenal spring up uh, starting yep. off this week. And uh, let's make some hay. Let's make some hay. Great point. Great point. We were saying in the first you know half of the year that early portion of the year was all new contender series, was all debut fighters. Uh, March is really when the cards start heating up. The main events are getting good. Uh, the fights all around look really good. And um, yeah, I'm excited about the you know the next month of fights. Next week we got Marab versus Peter Young. What? Got a, a whole bunch of good fights on that card, um, and we'll be back to talk about them. This one went a little long, about 90 minutes, but we provided some some hard-hitting analysis as always. So hope everyone enjoys the podcast, wins some fights, or wins some bets, enjoys the fights, and uh, go Cyril Gan this weekend, man. It's time for John Jones. It's time to be over, and we will catch you all next week. Peace out, everybody.